Welcome back to the show. This is Reservations, and I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Jerry Ratzmataz. <laughs> so, so last week you're you're Jer- Malibu Jeremy. Yeah. And now you're Jerry Razzmatazz. Jerry Razzmatazz. Is that your is that your stage name? It's a good name. Yeah, that's a good name. I uh, no, um, it's not my stage name, uh, but I. <laughs> I think razzmatazz is a funny word. So. I always love seeing it in places where it shouldn't be, or when it is used to describe like certain types of uh, like fruit drinks, yeah, like cranberry or razzmatazz, or a Klaus on a an American Dad where they got tickets to go see the Laser Rats. And he goes, I bleed tangerine and razzmatazz red. <laughs> Dude, Klaus is one of the best underrated characters on American Dad. You think so? Um, yeah, I will die on that hill. Okay. The weird hill to die on. <laughs> I, know. I know. And Seth MacFarlane's like, wow, I can't believe everyone, this one guy likes Klaus that much. Yeah, Haley, uh, we were watching it the other day, and Haley goes, God, I hate that thing. I go, what, Billy? <laughs> she hates Billy. Billy! Billy! <laughs> Dude, Billy's the best. Billy is another good underrated character. Because, you know, it was you. he was clearly meant to be a one-off joke, and they've just kind of stuck him, like, kept him around. Also, I'm looking at myself in the camera, and I'm worried people will think I'm wearing an anime shirt, because... Dude, the top of my shirt. It's it's from The Simpsons. Uh, dude, your little weeaboo over here. No way, dude. Uh, no, it's from The Simpsons. It's when he uh, they they use his likeness for a uh, I think dish detergent, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he has to go and travel abroad and go see why they're saying and where they got. It. It's pretty funny. It's a uh, good episode. Well. Before we get into it, speaking of weeb, uh, I've actually been watching this anime that like a lot of people have been telling me to watch, mm-hmm. uh, called Demon Slayer. Uh, okay. It's pretty, it's pretty tight. It's pretty tight. Okay. Good, good storytelling. Is it? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, really good. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. That's and, and that's a good segue into our episode. <laughs> it is actually. Um, yeah. So if everyone tuned in last week, uh, thanks for listening to another somewhat shorter episode uh, out of the adaptation edit was about 58 minutes. Um, but this week we are talking about uh, Kira Kurosawa's Ikuru. Um, did I tell you about this movie or did you tell me about this movie? I don't remember. I may have told you, I think I, I stumbled upon it on again, some sort of list or, you know, compilation video or something. And I go, Oh, Kurosawa, I'm in, you know, and or it could have been I was looking for contemporary Kurosawa films because yeah, I love High and Low so much, and the the uh, the Bad Sleep Well, and right. So I mean, I, I was I found all these you know Kurosawa's that aren't samurai films, and I go, is there more? And uh, I came across this one, and I go, oh, okay, cool, that'll work. And yeah, yeah. and so and I, I bought it, and I never watched it. And so, again, half the reason why we're doing this season is so I can watch some of these movies behind me that I just bought and put on my shelf. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, uh, as we were kind of talking about off mic, you know, I finally saw Promising Young Woman, and that's been on my shelf for probably a year. And Mm -hmm. uh, Ashley and I finally saw it. But um, but yeah, man, so, uh, so this is a first watch for the both of us. Yeah. Uh, so what were your first impressions? Um, I was, I was overtaken by how much I loved, um, the performances first and mm-hmm. foremost. Okay. Um, 
I think it's pretty evident, especially if you do like a Google search, like I did this morning, uh, just trying to find a poster. Uh, I just ended up using the Criterion image, but um, the, a lot of the posters had that close up of him crying in the bar, Mm. uh, which is, I mean, it's just, it's perfect. Right. Uh, I think his performance is absolutely amazing. I'm going to find his name in just one second. Well, while you look that up uh, for, Everyone who's curious, our main uh, our main character, um, I don't remember the character's first name, but his last name, what they call him is uh, Wananabe, um, is played by the actor who plays uh, our leader of the Seven Samurai. Yes, he's also the uh, the woodsman and Rashomon. Ah, oh, that's right, that's right. And shout out, shout out to our Rashomon episode, uh, like two seasons was it two seasons ago? A season ago? Maybe. Gosh, I don't know. I think it's two um, seasons ago. Good question. Um, sorry. <clears throat> By the way, uh, for our listeners out there, there is a possibility that if the storm blows in soon, I will lose power. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So yeah, just, that's. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. We forgot to tell, you know, so if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, obviously, Jeremy and I are, are doing this over Zoom again. Uh, but it's because there's a really bad storm rolling in in our hometown, and uh, we like to play it safe because you know um, we don't want to die. Uh, Takashi Simura is his name. Um, I again, I think his performance that he gives is just incredible, right? I think that was that was the first impression that I I got leaving the film. The the second. Yeah was um, how much I I loved and respected how Kurosawa chose to end the film. Mm-hmm. I loved, um, I think the, I would say the last fourth of the film, I loved how he just split that narrative and said, we're going to go a different direction with the narrative instead of continuing um, to do this linear, we're just going to do nonlinear real quick. <laughs> Yeah. I hope that's cool everyone. <laughs> you know, um, I love that. Um, and then, of course, and we'll get into it, um, but I just love the overall message and theme of the film itself. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah we'll get yeah. into that. But um, what about you? Yeah, man. Oh, and also uh, Rashomon. Yeah, it was season five. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's funny. We did a Kurosawa film season five skip season seven. And now we've done two and probably going to be three this season. <laughs> um, yeah, man, no, I, all those points. Uh, I mean, I hate to say like, uh, how to hate to sound like, uh, I'm just agreeing with you, but yeah, no, exactly. All those points, man. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, I mean, you know, this was the first, you know, I know you've seen high and low. Um, so this was the first temporary Kurosawa film for me. And it's it's so hard to believe that the same director who gave us Seven Samurai and Rashomon and you know I haven't watched it yet but Throne of Blood gave us this contemporary movie about a man dealing with his life you know and and so yeah uh, I especially loved the use of the camera in this one I I, I know I touched on it in Rashomon um, Kurosawa's use of the camera. Uh, but I feel like it, this was dialed up to a to a ten for this yeah. movie. Um, so let's just jump into it, uh, Jeremy. Uh, let, let's let's hear that synopsis real quick. Sure, it'll be fast. Um, a a lowly, lonely uh, bureaucrat uh, in City Hall in a city <laughs> it might have been uh, tokyo i have no idea. i don't i don't think so keep going i'll look at it it doesn't, it doesn't say i don't think but anyway. uh, yeah i don't think it's but yeah um, keep going i'll look at it he is i wouldn't say he's consciously dissatisfied with his life but he is uh in a way he discovers then later he has stomach cancer um he realizes how much of his life he has wasted and how much of 
life he hasn't lived and how little of it he has left. And so he then desperately tries to find some meaning within what little life he has left, right? So mm-hmm. he tries several things until uh, he finally realizes I can help our community. I, I can push things forward using my skill set in bureaucracy in fixing a park in a slum neighborhood in this city, right? Mm. Uh, which is, of course, uh, teed up for us at the very beginning um, with that wonderful montage of, yeah. uh, of horrible, inefficient bureaucracy, right? Yeah. Um, it's almost a parody, right? It's something we've seen a few times in other things. Um, and he achieves his goal and he dies um, while leaving a lasting impact on his fellow coworkers, but not, not everlasting, right? Yeah. Not everlasting impact. Not really, right? Yeah. Um, and that's a very fast synopsis of, of Ikiru, which is a uh, literal translation is to live. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw that and I was like, oh, it's like, I'm, I'm already sold. Um, yeah, man. And, and, and it's, I, there's something I loved about this before we really dive into everything mm-hmm. and I had to find it cause I lost it for a second, uh, is that I love that this is, this is a story that we've seen kind of told in, you know, in, in, in movies that we've seen recently, you know, our character gets some devastating news and it's, you know, the, the rest of the film is how do they deal with this information? You know, um, don't, don't laugh at me. This is the first example I could think of, uh, but, you know, something kind of similar in Judd Apatow's funny people. Okay. You know, Adam Sandler's character gets, you know, diagnosis that he's got some form of, they don't really say it's cancer, but some, disease and he's not got long to live and he just doesn't know what to do with his life. But something about this movie that I really liked is yes, you know, this sort of theme of death as a sort of not necessarily plot device, but to force our character to do something, something about this movie Kurosawa just nails. Uh, And I think the other thing that I really loved is the fact that we have opening narration of, you know, this is our protagonist's stomach. He doesn't doesn't know it yet, but cancer is forming. And I was like, wow. So us as the audience, he's almost telling us, hey, don't get too attached to this guy. He is going to die. You know, (laughs) but please get attached. Yeah, but please get attached. Exactly. Um, and yeah, and yeah, and dude, that montage, uh, and of course we'll get into it, but that montage of those poor, those poor women getting jumped around to different departments, man. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I worry that that's how I sound at work. Is it being like, being like, ah, oh, you got to call customer service. Oh, you call yeah. customer service. Okay. Well then you got to call, you know, tech support. Oh, you call tech support. Well, yeah, there's nothing I can do. You know, go oh. to this story. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I think out of the two of us, that would be lean more towards you since you actually kind of work in an office space. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, You know, in our defense, uh, a lot of our, quote, training, whether or not people believe we actually get it or not, which, you know, whatever. um, There are just, you know, it's almost designed that way. It's yeah. designed for you not to be able to answer those questions, right? Mm. Uh, and you can see it plainly here. It's just in the in this instance, um, Wananabe, right? Yes, yeah. Wananabe. Um, he he doesn't care. He doesn't know. He's going to go find out, right? At mm. the end, um, that he's just so sick of this sort of just passing the buck on to the next person. They'll figure it out. Whatever he goes, you know what? I can actually do something about it. I work here. I can. I know the people to talk to, right? right. Uh, but of course, that's at the end. So we'll we'll save that. Yeah. Um, so 
So do you want to talk about uh, Wananabe? I do. I, I think, again, Takashi Samara has the perfect face for this role. I, Absolutely. I, can't, I can't describe it any other way. I think he can he can present to you the utter despair, the loneliness, the the sorrow, the devastation, all in his face, right? I, again, it's perfect for this type of role. Um, and of course, when he's showing these emotions in a heightened sense, for instance, at the bar, right? Um, it's just, it, it it's haunting, right? Yeah. Um, so, but as a character, he really is sort of this um, stereotypical bureaucrat, right? Mm-hmm. Where he is, he is imprisoned by papers, right? Yeah. Uh, by paperwork all around him, right? And that must have taken years to accumulate. Um, it's also interesting that this takes place during a, a, re, a rebuilding, a sort of, um, what did I say? Reconstruction, a mm. reconstruction of a country, right? This is not long after World War II. People are still sort of getting things back in order, right? Yeah. Um, sort of still trying to find and make sense of this new way, right? Or mm. trying to reclaim the old. Um, I think that's interesting in the way that it just fell into this point in time. Um, But what's really interesting, and I'm sure you clocked it, when he gets his diagnosis, that's in quotes, they don't tell him. And I had to look this up because I I couldn't make sense of that. It seemed surreal to me. It seemed absurdist that they don't tell him. And it was the practice of the time that stomach cancer was seen as an automatic death sentence. There's nothing you can do about it. And Mm. if you were to tell the person and worry them, they, they thought it would exacerbate the illness and make it worse. Right. Mm. If you tell the person, if you tell the person and have that anxiety, that stress on the patient, it would make it worse. Um, they're not necessarily right. Uh, so, um, but I'm sure you clocked it and that you were like, I don't know why they didn't tell him. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially, you know, when he even begs them, just be honest with me. Yeah. Just because, you know, of course, by that point, he's already been worked up enough. Yeah. Which, which it started off funny, but then I was like, oh no, where this guy was indirectly freaking him out yeah and like i said it started off a little bit funny i'm like oh haha but then like again going back to his face acting you could see it on his face this oh my god i have everything all these symptoms you're describing i have and you're like oh yeah 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 so that guy i i really do like that piece of exposition right mm-hmm. because he is describing you know this patient or whomever is at the hospital is describing how he found out he had stomach cancer and they just told him it was just an ulcer. Right. Right. And again, it starts to click in his mind that that's all the symptoms he's having. And of course we already know he has cancer because of the opening omniscient narrator. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I really enjoy. I I like a good all knowing narrator. Um, I find it fascinating, especially when they're not really part of the narrative it's cool and they are too by the way shout out to oz um (laughs) where we have an omniscient narrator but he's also an inmate right yeah Um, when he's on screen as the inmate he is not omniscient right Uh, or or taking it back to the top show that american dad episode with you know francine becoming like a cement sales person and at the end of the episode the narrator is seen for the first time and he's just been like following Francine around. Yeah. Like you, you know, like he's like, you go girl. And then she turns around and he like ducks behind a bush. Sure. Yeah. Just like that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, but I, I just love that patience kind of like once it clicks in his mind, like, Oh, I just, he's got all those. And he just goes back to reading the paper. And I think the way that, which I, I love and that 
we've seen before in other things, uh, I think, and of course it all stems from this film, is to properly convey the emotion that he's feeling. Um, when he walks out of there, there's no sound, right? Mm. Until there is, until he yeah. snaps back and is starting to notice the world around him as if he's seeing it for the first time, right? Yeah. Um, we see a little bit of this um, in one of my favorite films of all time, which is uh, It's Such a Beautiful Day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. I, I love that. I love that Kurosawa is playing with the sound design to, to tell us all that we need to know without any dialogue, right? Um, so I thought that was perfect. And of course, you know, now that we're all caught up, both ourself and our, our hero, um, now we need to decide what he's going to do, right? Mm-hmm. And what is he going to do with this information? Is he going to tell anybody? Because obviously this is sort of a taboo subject at this time and in this culture. And, you know, like if, you know, when we get to the introduction of his son and uh, his daughter-in-law, then, you know, then it becomes that deciding factor of whether or not he's going to tell them or not. Right. And they're sort yeah. of shitty. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. They're not, they're not the best, which yeah. is again, you know, I feel like that's another trope we've seen in movies like this where, where the person that should be told uh, is, is not a good person in their own right. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, but here's something I love about this this sequence of us finding out a little bit more about his family, right? Like his son and his daughter-in-law, and then his wife, right? His wife mm. has passed away. And I like these flashbacks that we get, right? And, you know, again, just sort of reflecting back on missed opportunities and on what he could have done differently or, you know, you could see it in sort of a lot of different ways. There's not really, I don't think it's one thing or one reason why he's looking back and thinking about these things. I, again, I think he's thinking about his, his deceased wife because mm. he's dying. Right. I think that's sort yeah. of apparent. Right. And that's sort of obvious, but I think, again, he's also thinking like, God damn it. You know, I could have, you know, I could have had a happier life. Right. I could have, yeah. you know, so what can I do now? Right. Um, and he didn't tell his son, good friend, I wouldn't have either. No. Um, his son kind of no. sucks. Yeah. Especially, ooh. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on it. So I'll just mention it now, especially when his son, like, you know, thinks he knows what's going on and he, like, has that freak out on him. Like you're bringing a woman up here, you're holding her hand, yeah. And I'm like, you know, dude, go fuck yourself, bro. Yeah. Uh, but see, but see it again, um, you know. And and he doesn't say anything to him because he's like, you know what? You you are just solidifying the fact even more that I don't want to tell you, right? Or you know, or whatever. Like again, it yeah. could all be cultural. Like you know, us in the in the West, as it were, we don't understand the fact that the doctors didn't tell him his diagnosis, right? Like it's something right. like that, that maybe it's, it's something in the culture and in the time, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be Japanese culture as it is so much. Maybe it's 1950s Japanese culture, right? Like right. it's, it's the stuff that I'm not aware of and that I obviously don't care enough to look up, right? Um, right? So here's where it gets a little more interesting in, in the story is now he's going to try certain things he doesn't really know how to improve or find meaning in his life and so he tries different things the first thing he does is vices yeah which is fascinating because it really the even the camera is a little different in, in this in in these sequences of him and the uh it, the he's writer. almost a folk writer you know what i mean like yeah. it's almost like he gets uh he gets paid per word almost um and or maybe he even said that i don't remember but when when he goes out with the writer into these 
these bars and these clubs and these dance halls and all of that. Um, it's sort of overwhelming. I don't like it because I don't like that kind of stuff. And so I, I was sort of icked out by it. Um, and it makes you feel very uncomfortable because you can tell he's never done this before. Mm-hmm. He's never gone out and had what most people would consider a good time, not necessarily me, but um, I, and then of course we, we get the hat thing. Yeah. Uh, which is surprisingly very important. Um in terms of of his journey to enlightenment as it were um when he gets his hat stolen and buys a new one it becomes part of his identity in a way that is sort of interesting because people keep commenting on it right uh there are several times where people comment on his new hat and it's sort of weird but i think it's because it's a hat he wouldn't normally wear right it's it's sort of a physical manifestation of his change right mm-hmm. um and of course this is where we get the the famous uh bar scene where he sings and yeah uh, that close-up is just immaculate um it, what, what did you um well see honestly i didn't even know it was him singing um because he's not moving his mouth not very much. much yeah and so i didn't even know it was him singing i actually thought it was the piano player until we do Kurosawa does that amazing push in on his face. And I was like, Oh, it's him. Yeah. And it was just so, you know, haunting and, you know, still kind of beautiful at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Cause he, he, he probably did ruin some people's nights, but you know, what I loved is that the writer was ride or die with him. Like, like, all right, like, there we go. Yeah. You know, but it was, it was such a great scene, man. Uh, and it was so, it, it really, it really, in my opinion, kind of summarized, not summarized, uh, summed up where he was in that moment, mentally, you know, men- mentally and emotionally. Right. This is where I'm at right now. Right. I'm yeah. drunk singing at a club and it's sort of you know again it's it's juxtapositions where we we get a few of these where we have him juxtaposed with an opposite mood or Mm -hmm. emotional you know scene where especially in this one it was a very happy joyous occasion uh and he even has streamers and what like confetti on him you know, yeah. as he's singing this song and he's crying, um, we it, get a little more of this in the car with the women as well. It, it kind of reminded me a little bit <laughs> of uh, Lieutenant Dan on New Year's Eve when he's covered in confetti and he's just like, yeah, it is a little like that. You would almost think that maybe Zemeckis saw this movie first. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. And and, you know, took some inspiration because you're right. It's almost exactly like that. Yeah. Um I mean, Kurosawa did it better because, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know how you feel about Forrest Gump, uh, but yeah, and and see, and 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 I love the scene in the car too. Yeah, you, you know, mainly just because of he doesn't speak at all after they leave the club, and yeah. except for asking the driver to pull over, and even then, it took the one of the women asking the driver to pull over uh and he just says nothing and and i love that there's this almost unspoken realization between him and the writer you know when he goes to throw up and he all he does is just look at the writer and it's almost like in agreement they're pretty much saying like yeah maybe maybe this isn't it and again, it's because like we we feel his emotion more because everyone else is so joyous, right? The girls are singing, mm-hmm. right? They're having a good time. And again, god damn, that face of his is just perfect because he doesn't have to say anything, right? Yeah. I can see. It. And again, it sticks out more because of the other people in the Right. Mm-hmm. And often, uh, which is, I'm sorry, I'm reading in this article that I highlighted today. Of course, you know how I am. 
Um, it's it's from off screen, by the way. That was thunder. So here we go. Um, so often in these scenes, we see the rider and Wanabe um, behind fences and things like obstructed in a way mm-hmm. um, to where they're sort of imprisoned by by this sort of form of, of coping, right? Um, and I find that fascinating. I love, again, it's Kurosawa at his best, right? Really using the camera, using, um, using the frame as another layer of, you know, the emotion and what's going on uh, with yeah. the yeah, Absolutely. Um, next, he tries personal human connection. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't work out very well either. Uh, no, really- no, he's he's almost accused of being uh, being a creep. Yeah, and I honestly, that I don't think that's his intention. He's just like again, he's really trying to figure it out. It's like he's, it's like he's been paralyzed and he's trying to walk again. Like he really yeah. is trying Ooh. to figure out what living is like. Great, great uh, metaphor there, my guy. Thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Cause you know, <clears throat> you know, this, cause this is during the sequence in which I was referring to how, you know, his son blows up about him spending time with this woman, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, her name is Toyo Toyo. Um, she was a subordinate of his at city hall, but she tendered her resignation because <clears throat> she didn't want to do that. And something about that is what made him gravitate to her. Right. Well, of course she needed his signature on her resignation so she could leave. Um, But something about that, he was like, okay, she doesn't want to waste 30 years of her life. Like I have what's different. Right. She's, she's looking for more. Right. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to be stuck in some dead and whatever. She wants to make a difference or she at least wants to feel fulfilled. Right. Right. Which is essentially what, what he wants also. Right. Uh, he just doesn't know how. And I like that we see a little glimmer of that when she tells that joke that was actually very funny uh, in the office. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a classic office, you know, joke. Right. I mean, it's perfect. I loved it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid. Anyway, I want to, um, but you know, in trying to make that connection with her, you know, he's sort of forcing it, which is fine. Again, he's, you know, he's got newborn deer legs, right? He's like, he doesn't know what he's doing necessarily. And it's almost like he really hasn't spoken to anyone in any sort of real emotional way, probably since his wife died. Yeah. You can well, kind of see. Oh, oh yeah. And well, and you know, and he also, you know, he's probably thinking, which of course is a little strange. I want to before I say it, it's a little strange that he is living with this this whole I only have six months over his head mm-hmm. when the doctors never told them that. I think it's because that guy may have told him that also. Okay. Well, Anyway, but or, you know, I think since it is so taboo, the stomach cancer, which is so odd again to think about it that way, but I think people may just assume, assume you know, like yeah. he's assuming he has six months. Yeah. Um, but you know, he it, it, but anyway, but it's like you know, having known that he's only got about six months, he's mm-hmm. like, Well, let's let's try to uncover this as quick as I can. And I think that's another reason why he's, he's forcing it with her. Yeah. So he can like, of course, as we see in, in, in the final ending sequence, he's very much like, well, I, I don't have time. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I was, I'm not going to lie before we move on with, with this portion of what he's trying to find in his life. I was a little disappointed that she was so, 
weirded out by him by by what him wanting to be with her all the time and it's and i mean like i guess again like you're saying it could be a cultural thing and it could be an of the time cultural thing um but you know my man's just looking for a little human connection yeah i mean i can completely understand why she's sort of weirded out but i get it yeah uh especially if you're not a willing participant in it if it's sort of like put on you instead of you you know it's mutual right it's, right i get it so here's what's so amazing about this next portion is that the way it comes about so they do have dinner one more time mm-hmm. and this is sort of the turning point this is this is the aha moment for Wanabe. okay I can't tell you how much I love this, especially after reading a little more about it and, you know, things clicking once you, you know, do a little deeper dive on it. Um, Yeah. So they're talking sort of, and she's telling, she's telling how much she loves making these toys, right? Mm -hmm. Her new job. And she even brought one with her and how, she feels the fulfillment by creating something for someone else, for someone else's enjoyment. It's almost like, as she says, she gets to play with every children in the city, right? It's, you know, it's sort of that, that sort of self-fulfillment in creation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is that aha moment for him. This is when he remembers the women going up to city hall. He remembers saying no and passing it along to a different department for that, the sewage and the, the slum and the, you know, it's flooding. Right. Yeah. He remembers. And he said, Oh my God, that's it. Fulfillment through creation. I can Mm -hmm. fix this problem, create something new out of it. And there it is. Right. And when he does, and when he leaves the table, um, and it's sort of an odd moment, especially, I think, for English-speaking audiences to hear happy birthday, right? We can't sing it here. We got to pay those ladies money. But, um, you know, those old ladies, we got to pay them money if we sang it so we can't. But I, I love that when he has his aha moment, we hear happy birthdays going down the stairs and all those girls are saying it to the woman that's coming up the stairs, right? Mm-hmm. As he's going down. But it serves as a, as a moment of rebirth for, for Wanabe. He, he has his enlightenment. He knows what he is going to do to make himself have meaning in his life. And it is to fix this section of the city, right? Right. And, and Kurosawa, you know, paints this picture by having people sing happy birthday, right? Mm-hmm. Which is sort of odd at the time, but once you realize what he's doing, you're like, that's brilliant. And it's perfect, right? Right. That's so good. God, he's good. Um, and then he dies. Yeah. Yeah, uh, very abruptly. I wasn't expecting that. You know, I was, I mean, and we still had um, 40 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. When he dies. Um, Yeah, because we see him at the office and he's got this newfound, like, you know, as as we just see him find his purpose finally. um, And he tells his coworkers, like, this is how we're going to do it. And then cuts the next scene and he's dead. Yeah, and five you're like, and he's dead. You're like, wait, what? And what's so interesting is that now we're being told the rest of the story that we've missed through other bureaucrats and politicians mm-hmm. at his uh, at his wake. Yeah, um, and this to me, this is when I started to sit up and lean forward because I go, okay. <laughs> This this is different. This I like, right? Mm-hmm. Not that I wasn't enjoying the stuff before, but this is this is a new type of interesting. Let's see where he's going because 
to me, I, I was thinking we were going to go, we were going to be with Wanabe until the end, right? Right. No breaks. Because we haven't so far, right? This is his story. Why are we now cutting to other people? And, and it's interesting to hear his story through other people because we're getting different we're getting different perspectives and theories to to questions we already have the answers to right we're watching other people figure it out right while also being told the stuff we've missed yeah right? yeah yeah watching them try to figure out why did he change all of a sudden like why why was he so you know adamant about getting this park built you know what you know what was so different about him and of course like you just said we had the answer he was dying and yeah. he wanted to leave something behind before he died and and i did love how they were like like it just doesn't make any sense doesn't yeah. make any and, and that's all they can say and then they're like well you know but you know before he died i saw him do this and you know i saw him go all the way to the deputy mayor and and it is, it was, again, like you said, really interesting seeing his story told through other people. Right. And in these flashbacks, we're seeing a character we haven't seen yet, really, because we've seen him very docile, very depressed, you know, and really confused. Mm-hmm. But in here, in these flashbacks, he is driven, he's confident, and slowly he's getting happier, right? While also deteriorating physically. And I did just want to mention uh, the makeup they used for him was, it was amazing. Yeah. To make him look, you know, sinking in his eyes and mm-hmm. making his cheeks look like he'd lost weight in his face. Phenomenal makeup. Right. I um yeah um but yeah and you know and and something else that we saw with him in these flashbacks is persistence like when he was bothering that one uh chief um he didn't really say anything he just kind of sat there and just kind of waited like mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not going anywhere yeah like, <laughs> you either give me the answer or i'm not leaving right so what's also interesting about this end scene or whatever, this end portion of the film is that we're discovering through, I think pretty, it's pretty slick. This, this exposition, it's not, it's not ham fisted. It's not spoon feeding. It's, it's more like, you know, um, I, I can't explain it. It's just great. And the deputy mayor has taken credit for the park, right. I, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. because we know as the audience, or at least we're inferring that he did everything right. And this is before yeah. the flashbacks. We're just like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. <laughs> he did that. I know he did that because the guy told me, you know, the narrator. Yeah. So what is this nonsense, right? What has gotten lost in this translation over time? And I love that we are slowly in the people in the room, the men are slowly putting the pieces together and people are speaking up and on his behalf, of course, mm-hmm. saying, no, 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 he built the park. I don't know what's going Like he, he did this. Right. Um, which is important because, you know, with him getting this, this personal growth and this fulfillment and this gratification from this, it's nice to see people giving him the credit, even if it's posthumously, right? Yeah. And getting the appreciation, you know, even after its death, right? Which is a mm-hmm. sort of an everlasting fulfillment by, you know, having credit for this uh, park. Um, what did you make of all of the different sort of perspectives, all the flashbacks, and even the, the arguing in between the, the men and the other bureaucrats? I mean, so, yeah, I love seeing these different, you know, portions of Wanabe's life. Um, But the arguing, to me, really brought all this together. 
mm-hmm. you know, because like if because you know Kurosawa could have easily just been like, oh, no, this guy's going to remember something, and we're going to get a little portion more, and now this guy, um, which he does do that, but he's but he decides to also throw in some internal conflict and in having them argue amongst the, amongst themselves over essentially if with what they're doing at their jobs if they're horrible people or not you know yeah. essentially and and that to me made the world of difference um because not only in terms of storytelling but in terms of you know if we I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to reach, nah, not reach. I don't know what I'm going to go for, but you, you'll see where I'm going with it. You know, if we were to believe this is, you know, a snapshot of real life, you know, they would have these sort of conversations like, you know, what are we doing really mm-hmm. with, at our jobs in our lives that is any different than, what he was doing right like he he achieved something that we haven't what are we doing wrong right Mm -hmm. and does him doing this mean that we're doing something wrong and you're exactly right because um and that becomes like it's it's now it's self-doubt with with the men too because and and also it's a little bit it's a pride issue also with these men because now they're saying well if if what he did is the right thing and i'm doing the wrong thing and i'm a bad guy right but i'm not at least i don't feel like i am right so we need to change something right or and other people are like no we don't he broke the rules he did blah 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 blah, blah, blah right mm-hmm. um and it culminates in this you know drunken acceptance of we are going to be better we are going to be like him. We are not going to turn people away. We are going to help rebuild this community, right? And again, this this central theme of of rebuilding is important, not just in the time period it's set in, which is contemporary Japan post World War II in literally mm-hmm. rebuilding, but Wanabe is rebuilding his own life at the end of it, right? Right. And so not only are they going to help rebuild their city, but help rebuild the system in and of itself. And just the way Wanabe rebuilt this park and himself in the process. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how much I loved that Kurosawa said, yeah, but. Right? So if anyone doesn't know, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it. Jeremy doesn't like uh, 360 turnarounds in movies. No. Um, well, it technically, it is. A I don't like 180s, but 180s. your math right, is right, wrong. Right. It's fine. <laughs> 180s. Uh, you know, you, you've pretty much told me that you enjoy when a character learns a lesson, but doesn't wake up the next morning. He's like, oh, I'm a changed person. Yeah, I don't like Ebenezer Scrooge's. You know what I mean? Like, it's not how life works. Well, so, not except for Tom Hardy's Ebenezer Scrooge. That's different. Um, when okay, so at the end of the film, we get someone needing a problem fixed at City Hall, and it's the same office uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Wanabe was working in. And again, you're thinking they're going to help, right? Yeah, but they all. They all made it. They all made a promise that we're not going to, we're going to be like him. And instead it's another example of just, nope, they need to go see public works. Nope. They need to go somewhere else, except for that employee, that other one that um, was really outspoken at the wake about, you know, the importance of what Wanabe did, right? Mm -hmm. He stands up as if to protest and say, no, but he realizes he's alone in, in this in this way of thinking and sits back down. And then we end the film with him visiting the park that Wanabe helped rebuild, seeing the change that someone can do. And then the movie ends. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, no, yeah, no, no time for <laughs> for long drawn out lessons. Just change can happen. Over. Right. It, it can happen if you work hard enough, or if you go against go against the system. Right. Essentially, right. it's not really the main theme of the film, but it's you know, I. It's sort of an indictment on government bureaucracy. Um, <laughs> I don't, again, that's not the main focus of the movie, but it is, you know, a part of it. Um, here's something that I love about what Kurosawa chose not to put in, and they mentioned it in this article, is he didn't put religion in here, yeah. right? There's no sort of, he doesn't go to a church for answers he doesn't right it, it's almost as if and their reasoning was you know he didn't want there to be any sort of separation or any sort of division within the audience like he wants everybody to understand the point and he wants people to enjoy the film regardless of their ideologies and so i like that he doesn't seek answers there right? yeah you know because yeah, as I mentioned, you know, we've seen a story like this told, you know, many times. And I would say probably about half of those movies out there, the character is, you know, goes through a philosophical change, you know, in, in religion or, yeah. you know, um, finding religion or changing religion or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually didn't even notice it until you just said it. I was like, oh, yeah, they. He doesn't visit a church. He doesn't vi visit a priest. He doesn't have a priest visit him right. or, or anything like that. Um, and again, you know, if we haven't talked enough about how amazing Kurosawa is, I mean, that just shows it right there that he. Yeah, the, that's because he's he, this isn't a lesser movie. I mean, not to put down any other movies that have done a story like this, but right. Because some, you know, that's sort of, you know, the main points of the film is this, you know, is this religious undertone or sort of, you know, a person seeking out wisdom within a religion or a church or whatever. Um, Looking at all those Christian made films. It's sort of, you know, it's, it's sort of realistic in a way that someone would do that in I've seen films where they do more than one religion. Like they go to a synagogue, they go to a, you know, a, a Catholic church, they'll go to a mosque, you know what I mean? One yeah. of those. Uh, but here I like that, you know, that's completely absent. Right. And uh, Kurosawa is quoted in one of these that says that he wants all people to enjoy it. He doesn't want it to be too smart or too dumb. He wants it to be baseline. Uh, sort of right down the middle. I want everyone to see it and I want everyone to get it. Right. Yeah. And I think he's achieved that in, in a way, I don't think it's right down the middle. I think it's a genius film. I think it's um, in a way it's perfect because um, again, you get it immediately. And, mm -hmm. and you really, and again, the performances are perfect and the writing is great. And the, you know, the, the camera work is phenomenal. Um, oh, dude. Don't, yeah. Don't even talk to me about the camera work, man. That's, <laughs> his. It's again, it's just a perfect movie. There's a reason why this film is beloved everywhere. Um, and why it's at the top of most people's lists, especially like this, you know, films like this are at the top of the list. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. It's. <sighs> And again, you know, and it, and it, it excites me to watch more contemporary Kurosawa films, yeah. you know, like, you know, I've got high and low, but I've also got, um, the one I'm really most excited to see is, um, uh, dreams. Oh yeah. Uh, um, here, let me getting my other, I'm getting my list up. Hang on. Give me a second. <laughs> Calm down. Stop yelling at me. It's too late. I'm yelling at you. Um, I'm yelling and I won't stop. You know, there's also... That's it, really. Um, I would recommend... I mean, uh, I also have um, Drunken Angel on my list as well. Or it's down there. 
um, that I need to see, which is another contemporary um, Kurosawa film. That dude made a lot of movies. I don't know. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's dude. so many that. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you if you like one, there's chances you're gonna like all of them because so far I've liked all of them. So. Uh, oh yeah, man. Yeah, I don't think he really misses. You know what I mean? Like nah. this guy just hits it out of the park every time. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the just the imagery of him on the swing, um, mm-hmm. which of course is, and you can put it up one more time. The the poster for or the image for the Criterion release is him on the swing. Um, a lot of other countries also use that image, um, including Japan, for their theatrical posters. Um, it's just a beautiful image because he's so content, right? He's smiling. He is truly fulfilled. Mm-hmm. He has achieved a goal and it was, it was selfless and it served a purpose and serves his community and serves the people around. Um, it made other people's lives better. His life has made a difference, which brings meaning and it all culminates into that image of him on the swing, uh, oh, yeah. where we later find out he will die on that swing. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's so good. So good. Um, and I did read that apparently in 2007, it was remade for TV. They're um, also remaking it with um, not the science guy, but the British actor, Bill Nye. Um, they're remaking hmm. it it'll come out in a year or so, or maybe this year. Um, it's called living. Uh, so come out soon. I, I don't know. Maybe they'll nail it. I don't know. Uh, we'll say, um, but I don't know if this one needs, I, I understand remaking something for a different, a different culture, a different audience, you know, like an English speaking audience, for instance. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the biggest thing I think for remakes like that is it going to capture the exact same emotion? I don't know. I, I, you know, for well, for instance, you know, I'd mentioned the the theme of rebuilding, right? Like that's I don't know if that's going to be there, right? Yeah. Bill Nye is British, so you could put it in London. Post World War II, mm-hmm. they had a lot of rebuilding to do after the bombing. So maybe um, I don't necessarily know when the time period is set um, in this one. So maybe I mean I think it's an important it's an important part of the film, right? Is yeah. I don't even know. It seems almost accidental, right? Like you can't you can't plan that, right? Yeah. Uh, it came out what fifty two. Um, I have right here. 52. I have the criteria right here. I know. That's what I just looked at. Right there, baby. Um, yeah, I, I think that, again, it's, it's almost by accident because, you know, it came out in 52. It's set in 52, right? I mean, it's uh, a happy accident, maybe. Um, I guess we'll find out. I guess so. Um, yeah. uh, are you ready to wrap up, wrap up, wrap up? I am, buddy. I am. Um, I almost never get to say it, so I was excited. That's fine. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I'm glad you picked this one. You know, again, yeah, too. I enjoyed yeah. it so much more than I was expecting. You know, um, if we haven't sung Kurosawa's praises enough with Rashomon or Seven Samurai, I mean, hopefully, people now will be like, "Oh, okay." I, these guys seem to really like this this Akira Kurosawa. Uh, yeah, I mean, Samura, I mean, you can't praise him enough either. I think that, you know. Yeah, man. Any other casting would have been wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he knew exactly what he was doing, and it's it's perfect. God, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait until we do high and low. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. So, Jeremy, would you like to know what we're going to talk about next week? I would love to know. What would you have done if I said we're gonna do high and low? <laughs> I'd be like, it's too soon. Yeah, for- no, no, no. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wait on that one. Yeah, we gotta break it up. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so next week, um, 
it's funny that you you brought up the 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 lack of religious stuff in this movie yeah. uh because next week well next time which next we'll time. get to we'll, we'll, we'll get to in a second um uh, it's gonna be full of it um so we are going to be talking about silence from martin scorsese very cool very cool okay. um yeah uh it's another way to kind of tie it to this movie you know uh uh, the movie is about two priests going to uh, feudal Japan to preach the gospel when it was um, heavily outlawed. And that's all I know about the movie. Yeah, I've seen uh, it. And of course, it's got it's got our our baby boy, Andrew Garfield in it, um, who, man, he's been on a that dude. I mean, I know he just recently said he was probably going to take a break for a second, but like that dude just was working so hard. Yeah. The last few months, man. He's yeah, doing silence. That's exciting. Um, it's a good one. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, man. It's a passion project for Scorsese. He had been trying to make it for years. And um, as soon as he got the chance, you know, it, it sort of, you know, is it worth the time he waited, right? Is it worth all of the, the effort he had put in to make it? And it absolutely is. I think that it's, it's beautifully shot, of course, right? But it is so unlike any of his other stuff that it's, it's almost like, wait, did that say Martin Scorsese on the thing? Because it doesn't look like Martin Scorsese. Well, see, and that's, that's why I wanted to do it. Uh, that's why I wanted to do it because, you know, um, exactly how I felt like with Hugo, you know? Yeah. You know, Hugo, a, a kid's movie directed by, like, Goodfellas, Martin Scorsese did a yeah. kid's movie, and now he's doing a religious pilgrimage movie? Like, this can't be the same guy. But, you know, um, I have this newfound love for him when we did our Robert, Martin, and Joe series. Yeah. Um, I just have this newfound appreciation for him, for Martin, who, I mean, I never argued the fact that he wasn't an amazing director but now i'm like okay now i gotta see what else he can do yeah and uh silence was at the top of that list and it just felt like now's the right time to to do it so so jeremy would you like to tell the audience why we're saying this episode is next time not next mm -hmm. week well uh Haley and i are going on a cruise next week um we have had it planned for over a year yeah uh, so it's now time and just like anything i do when i plan things really ahead of time i um i forget and so we didn't plan for this we didn't shoot two of these you know just yeah. to have them in the can as they say uh so it's just gonna you know we may do film recommendations instead um yeah you know uh, as we we're talking about off mic i might do a, a solo episode um, yeah, I may I, film a little something and toss it your way and you can stitch it in. Yeah, I mean, I, I for sure will wait to do silence until uh, you get back. But, Thank you know, or I may do, you know, just like a like a quick little like update video. I'll text you and make you send me some recommendations real quick. Uh, or who knows? Well, give me a second. Let me take my microphone. Let me look <laughs> because I might give you an assignment. <gasps> Schoolwork. Yeah, I might give you something to watch, and I want you to solo. I want you to free solo it. Oh. Uh, or why can't you pick one of mine then? You know, because those are already on the list, and we're going to do those. No, no, not all of them. Oh, that's yeah. true. That's a really good here, point. Here, let me let me get out of your way a little bit. Let me if it, anyone can hear me. Oh yeah, that's true. Well, I can't really see that. Um all right, actually, I would need to move more this way. Yeah. In front of my 4K. Is there a oh you know what? Okay. Um for four years, okay. Before I saw M. I told people my favorite movie was Limelight. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Uh, so, 
So what you're saying is uh, the solo episode I'll be doing is going to be over Limelight. Yeah, I want you to watch Limelight. It okay. is, to me, you know, as far as Chaplin stuff goes, God, it, it's so different because it's more of a drama and it's it's more of, much like when we did that Scorsese series, it's it's almost the climax of his career, much like uh, the, the Irishman. Irishman was, right? Okay. The Irishman takes all of the themes in, his, in, in Scorsese's other stuff and shows sort of the darker side of it, the downside, the living with regret and the living with these decisions you've made. I think that this is sort of the darker side of entertainment. Um, mm, okay. And it also uh, shows... Uh, Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton in the same scene um, for the first time ever. So really, uh, yes. So well, I mean, I mean, I, I'm excited, stuff. man, because I yeah. mean, you know, of I pretty much have all of Chaplin's films on Criterion, mm-hmm. um, but of course, the one for me that took the cake was uh, The Great Dictator. Yeah, the Great, of course, uh, phenomenal. So yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to to do a solo episode, um, which I've never done a solo episode. So it goes. Uh, and see how it goes. Um, wouldn't it suck if everyone was like, "Yeah, I keep doing solo." <laughs> it would. Yeah, it would really suck because. Uh, oh no! Like. Or no! Like like meaning that like we would we would still trade off episodes, but it would just be me one episode and then you one episode. Oh yeah, I mean that would be kind of funny if we did that. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll still do it, but uh, I need someone to talk to. Yeah. Uh, Uh, I'll let you borrow uh, Chalupa and you can talk to my hamster, uh, Chalupa. Just, all right, buddy, what did you say? I I was going to grab him, but he went his tunnel. So, Could, could you imagine if he puts on glasses and a pipe and is like, this is what I thought of Limelight. <laughs> and he's like super pretentious. That would actually make a lot of sense. Have you met him? It's anyway. Um he's in a smoking jacket. <laughs> it would make sense. My hamster's a pretentious piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I think it's time to, yeah. to end the episode. So okay. Next official episode, everyone, will be silence. Um next week's episode. Uh, sort of a bonus i'm not really gonna i don't think i'll count it for season seven okay. but just so we can put an episode out there yes yeah, uh, limelight but um yeah everyone we hope you enjoyed uh, ikuru and we will see you well the both of us will see you next time